Welcome to Tax Wrap, the podcast of Tax and Super Australia. Each fortnight, we present news and insights to tax and SMSF practitioners. If you've got any questions, comments or even suggestions, get in touch at podcast at taxandsuperaustralia.com.au. Welcome to the Tax Wrap Podcast, episode 240. I'm your host, Steve Burnham. And this episode, I speak to Tax and Super Australia's tax technical guru in the West, Nicole Wilson-Rogers. Now, Nicole knows all about claiming expenses for self-education, and um, it can be a little, well, to me, confusing. Uh, There seems to be a lot of ins and outs and allowed and not allowed and hot and cold and black and white and all that sort of thing. So Nicole sorts it all out for us. Uh, Let's see what she has to say. Okay, well, thanks for joining us, Nicole. It's been very good of you. Forward to talking with you. I, I, I was conjecturing to myself, and I don't know if, if you have any insights into this, but I suppose it's a bit hard to find out whether I'm in Melbourne, you're in Perth. Melbourne's been in, in lockdown for a little while, and we've had extensive lockdowns. And I just wondered if self-education online has been – there's nothing to stop self-education, really, because a lot of it is online. That's true, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. I yeah. think that's one of the um, – the, the beauties, I guess, of, of Zoom and Teams is that kind of self-education can definitely continue through continue. through lockdowns. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, and given that, well, then there's there's expenses that may be able to be claimed. And this is what we're going to talk about today, about self-education yeah. expenses and, and what you can claim, and et cetera. But you're the expert. So, Nicole, uh, for our listeners' um, benefit, what are some types of self-education expenses? Well, that's uh, a great question, Steve, because there are so many different types of potentially deductible self-ed expenses. So I think um, later today in the podcast, we'll probably talk about those tests that you need to satisfy, but certainly lots of different types of self-ed expenses. So um, the fees that you might incur the courses undertaken at uni or TAFE or even doing a webinar uh, through Tax and Super, for example. Um, student union fees, self-paced learning, um, travel expenses. So oh, really? Travel too? Tours. Okay. Yes, yeah, some travel expenses right. uh, if it satisfies uh, the relevant nexus. Um, so travel costs to and from educational institutions as well in some circumstances, and hopefully we get to talk about that a bit more today. Yep. Repairs to your computer or your device if oh, you're really? using that okay. for self ed Yep. Mm-hmm, indeed. Um, internet usage, where it's in relation to your self-ed, or even where if you borrow money to pay for a self-education course, for example, at uni, you might be able to deduct the interest um, really? on money borrowed to pay those expenses. That's great. So yeah, there's, a, there's so a lot. There's a lot you can claim then, really. There is, if you satisfy the relevant tests, absolutely. So there's been some interesting cases, for example, um, language courses for um, language teachers, opera tickets for music teachers, uh, flying lessons, yeah, flying lessons for air traffic controllers. So lots of different uh, types of expenses that can be potentially deductible. Yeah, I see. So there are specific tests, like if you're a pilot learning how to fly a plane and music for the opera singer, which is opera tickets, which is amazing. There must be some broad sort of tests, though. So what are the broad tests for determining deductibility? 
Yeah, absolutely. So most um, self-ed expenses, Steve, would come under uh, Section 8.1, which is the general deductibility provision in the 1997 Act. Right. So um, the way I... I think is a good way to approach is, is to sort of look at the words of the legislation and, and work through the elements. So I might just sort of talk briefly about each of them, but okay. largely what you're doing is establishing, do you have a loss or outgoing? Is it incurred in gaining or producing accessible income? So there's kind of three there, loss or outgoing, the meaning of incurred, and then really the most important one is this nexus test in right. gaining or producing accessible income. So. Yeah. The first one, loss or outgoing, you know, if you're making a payment, that's generally going to be a reduction in your funds, so you'll have a loss or outgoing. Incurred is a bit of an interesting one. So there's been some, um, there's been an interesting, quite an interesting case on that. So for something to be incurred in the relevant period, you need to have um, a present legal obligation in that particular period. So um, one of the cases that looked at this was the case of Thomas and in that case, the taxpayer was a, um, he worked at a bank, he was within a private investment team, and he was looking at doing an MBA. So had he continued working on at the bank, there would have been no issues there doing this MBA, would have had a connection to what he was doing at the bank. Um, so what he did is he enrolled in this MBA at a French university, and he had to pay three instalments, um, and he booked his plane ticket and his accommodation and his first install and paid off his first instalment, but he had two outstanding. Unfortunately, what happened after he paid that is that he was made redundant. Right. Uh, so right. he decided to still go on and, and do his employment. Uh, sorry, his self course. Ed. Yep. 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 His course in, um, in France. So what the, the question then was, he, he didn't, Indeed, end up finishing that and paid the second and third instalment. And the question was whether uh, these would be deductible, despite the fact he'd been redundant, because he had arguably committed to it before he'd been made redundant. Right. So and initially, while, while he, he still had employment uh, connection. Correct. Right. Exactly. While well, he was still at the at the bank. So <laughs> initially, the commissioner sort of argued that the flights and the visas in the first instalment weren't deductible, but those were later allowed. But what the commissioner did argue was that the second and third instalment weren't deductible because they were incurred after the redundancy. Mm. And when the AAT looked at that, they said, yes, that was correct. The second and third instalments were not incurred whilst he was employed. So the taxpayer wasn't definitively committed, I guess, to paying those fees uh, before redundancy. Therefore... Oh they weren't deductible. So that's an example of incurred, I guess, that present legal obligation yeah, to make yeah. payment. That's interesting. I never really think about that incurred. I mean, it has to happen when there's a, a, a big connection to the expense and what you're paying for. That's right, yes. So the first she was first instalment was allowed, second and third were not incurred right. at that time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the Exactly as you said, it's really important to look at whether the self-ed is contemporaneous with the employment. So exactly as you were saying, that timing is really, really important. And then the third, uh, most important, I think, um, aspect of 8.1 is this idea of nexus or is it in gaining or producing accessible income? And I guess there's been sort of three main themes that the cases have gone or looked at under this sort of... Um, requirement 
and that is whether it has a relevant connection and, and the courts have used lots of different terms. They've used perceived connection, real connection, part and parcel, but exactly what you're talking about, does it have that connection to the taxpayer's income earning activities? Right, right. Um, so that's one of the things that they've looked at. Does it have a sufficient connection? And one way that they've established that is looked at whether it is to maintain or improve your skills of knowledge yep. in your current income earning activity. Right, okay. So, um, you know, maintaining, I guess, you know, doing a refresher course, if you're an accountant, doing some sort of refresher course that goes towards your CPD, um, or is it, you know, to improving your skill in a particular area? Yep, yep, so looking, um, And then the last thing I guess the courts have looked at and the cases have looked at over time is whether it is um, likely to lead to an increase in your income or your current income from your current profession. Right. So that's not completely critical, but um, certainly it's it's something that where it's likely to lead to an increase in your wages, then that often will create the relevant connection. Oh, I see. Yeah. Because you'll be, yeah. be able to pay more taxes. <laughs> <You'd have to laughs> from, what, from what you're saying, it's, it, seem, it seems though, if you can justify those three broad tests, it seems yes. kind of unlimited. I mean, if you can justify doing a course that it's it's open slather, but there can't be there can't be open slather. Is that right, Nicole? I mean, what are the limitations on some self education expenses? Certainly, so that's exactly right. So, eight one, we've just gone through the positive limbs, but right. you're absolutely correct. There are some negative limbs as well. Okay. Um. So it can't be private and domestic. So it can't be too general in nature. It has to be sort of more specific. So it has to be specific and have that necessary connection to what you're actually doing in your current employment. So, for example, okay. you know, if it's going to open up an entirely new field of endeavour, right. it's not going to be deductible. So, um, if you're a lawyer and you decide you want to become a teacher, you're not going to be able to deduct that. Okay. Or if you're a teacher who wants to become a lawyer, vice versa, you're not going to be able to claim uh, a deduction. So, so me working for tax and super, I might as well cancel that winemaking course that I just booked myself into. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, well, that makes and sense. again, yeah, and and if it's going to open up new, so I guess new income earning opportunities in the future, yeah, it'll be regarded as being too soon. So that's that's sort of the terminology they use in oh, the cases. I've heard that they, they say at a point too soon. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. Spot on. That's exactly right. So that's right. going to be one of the things that puts, I guess, a a barrier. Um, we talked about, and, and I think hopefully we'll get time to talk a little bit more about travel between home and an educational institution. That's right, yep. um, Things that are private and domestic in nature. So, for example, you might be able to deduct the cost of travel between your home and an educational institution if it's for valid self-ed. But if you're getting meals, for example, at the uni, you're not going to be able to deduct that because no. it would be private and domestic. So that's all under 8.1. Um, right. There's also some specific provisions. Um, I'm sure there's a number, but some to really think about. There's some specific provisions that actually um, have certain types of expenditure you can't deduct, and there's a reduction provision as well. So in Section 82A, which is quite a um, complicated legacy provision, Steve. Really? That's 82A, okay, yep. 82A, yep. and what that says is that certain self-ed expenses, not all of them, but um, 
it's quite a complicated provision, but we've got some great materials in the tax summary on this as well. But basically self-ed in relation to a prescribed course of education, so for example, a university course, you have to reduce, or there's a, a cap on that, you've got to reduce your total expenses broadly by $250. Now, there's a whole heap of sort of, um, there's a really good tax ruling, uh, I think it is, 98.9, tax ruling 98.9 talks right. about 82A, but it's quite helpful to look at how that reduction is calculated because there's some surprising little, um, there's some surprising rules surrounding that, but there is a reduction under 82A for certain prescribed courses of education. Okay, yeah. That's another thing to think about. Contributions that you're making under your Higher Education Support Act, like your HELP or HEX repayments, right. not deductible. Um, and educational expenses that are against income received under Commonwealth educational assistance, like youth allowance, also not deductible. So that was under the case of Anstis, which is probably quite a well-known high court. Oh, case. yes, that's so, from years ago. That's right, yeah. Yes, okay. that's right. So quite a few things to think about there too. But I guess um, apart from sort of 26, 19 and 20, uh, which are those last two we talked about, there's that reduction in 82A and... And as you said, those there's a negative limb yep. in eight one that we really need to think about private and domestic and that too soon exception. Yeah, you, you just mentioned just before then that two hundred and fifty dollar threshold, which is a change that was proposed in the budget, wasn't it? Sorry yes, about. you're quite right. So one of the things in the budget is to um, is to remove section eighty two a. Right. And if that occurs it will be enacted with effect from 1 July 2021 so I think it's a bit of a watch this space. Oh so we still okay so if, if anyone out there has that situation keep an eye on that okay. Yes, absolutely. Nicole I don't know if you know what clients should be thinking about because I'm thinking about COVID-19 the lockdowns etc etc people losing their jobs in this current environment I mean there must be a lot of people looking to reskill or retrain okay uh, for for different professions, because maybe what what they've been doing all these years is no longer available. I don't know, but this is a scenario we can imagine. What what's the situation with the cost of self education deductions? Uh, sorry, with deducting self education expenses in the current environment, where people may be really looking to retrain and reskill. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think um, it all goes back to the old too soon um, scenario yeah. you were talking about. So right. unfortunately, where your self-ed is designed to obtain employment in a new field of endeavour, so if we go back to, for example, the teacher that may be uh, retraining to be a lawyer, unfortunately, it would be too soon. So it's to open up a new occupation um, yep. rather than having that sufficient connection with the existing um employment that you're undertaking so unfortunately it's it's difficult in terms of um, self-ed expenses at least yeah, uh, yeah where you are retraining for a new field okay so, so that's just something you're gonna have to to wear basically i suppose <clears throat> nicole i'm interested in the travel the travel costs can you go back and just look at what the specifics are of the travel costs associated with self-education sure so i kind of i like to think about them in two groups there's yep. the if you're travelling, for example, to and from uni, so um, you might be doing a Masters of Cats, um, so say car travel or train fares or um, bus fares, generally deductions will be allowed 
between your home and an educational institution. So, for example, um, I was studying here yep. in Perth at UWA doing a master's taxation. The fares or the car expenses between my home and uni would be deductible. Or alternatively, if I was at work and then going off to do my master's of taxation, uh, from there, any sort of travel costs between work and that place of education yep. would be deductible. Yeah, yeah. Domestic self-ed. Well, do, do you have to keep then, the same kind of records as, as for work travel, like kilometres or logbook or that sort of thing? Yeah, so exactly, Steve. The substantiation is still really important the in same. all those circumstances. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Right. Um, so I guess the only thing to note there is if you work at the university, uh, and so if it's your uh, income-producing your place of, of work, then right. it's not going to be deductible. So okay. home and, <laughs> and between uni, if you work there, then that's not going to be deductible because that would be private or domestic. You'd be doing that anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so between um, the other thing to think about is if you have um, travel that is for a valid self-ed activity, say overseas, if we could travel overseas or interstate, right. where if your travel course, or oh, sorry, your your training course rather involves travel and an overnight stay, then um, the general conditions relation to Nexus will be satisfied, and, and often your food and accommodation will also be deductible. Ah, oh, okay, good. So, yeah, so um, it, a kind of a seminal case on that would be the case of Finn, and there was a government architect. Um, and he was allowed a deduction for expenditure incurred on an overseas architecture tour because it had the relevant connection to what he was doing yep. and it was able to maintain or increase his, his skills in that area. So where you're sort of staying overnight, certainly, um, you know, or you're going for a, a few nights or away or a week for a month, yep. then your accommodation, your airfares, et cetera, and, and the cost of your course may well be deductible. I see. I, I was just going to say one one little rider on that is you've got to make sure, um, and the tax ruling 98.9 is actually quite helpful in looking at this, um, you've got to ensure that you're travelling on work in relation to that self-ed expense and you don't go and make a new home where you're studying. So oh, I see. Uh, there are cases, if you're there for a very substantial period of time and the tax ruling refers to a university professor that goes overseas for 12 months yeah. and they assume in that circumstance, in fact, the, their home becomes that particular place of self-ed, yep. in which case then accommodation won't be deductible. But in other circumstances, particularly a short trip where you've got valid self-ed, then likely those will be deductible. deductible. Oh, well, well, sorry, I interrupted then because I, I just had a no, thought about when you mentioned yeah. that, that the Finn case. It seems to me that travel or self-education expenses may... Um, a lot of them may have to be decided by a court. I mean, is, it, is there a lot of case work uh, in, um, in self-ed claims? There's a lot of interesting cases, definitely, okay. on self-ed. As, okay. <laughs> um, as, as you said, I think, um, look, I think tax ruling 98.9 is really helpful for mm -hmm. practitioners and looking at some of those, distilling some of those principles, which is, is great. Yep. Um, but, yeah, certainly there are cases out there, as we, we talked about, um, flight controllers who are able to deduct the costs of, um, of, you know, flying lessons. So it's really, I guess, whenever you're looking at whether something has that sufficient connection, um, it can become 
tricky in some circumstances, mm. but I guess in most circumstances where you can see that connection to what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis and it's been incurred in the relevant period, then yes, it's yeah, probably yeah. a bit more straightforward. When you, you mentioned the relevant period, so what relevance does timing have to the deductibility of self-ed? Yeah, so again, that goes back to the point you very well made at the beginning, and that is this idea that it's really important that it be contemporaneous with your earning activities. Right. Um, and it can't be too soon. So where it's opening up a, a field of expertise or it's opening up opportunities to go um, into a new job, then it's not going to have that relevant connection. So you're really right. wanting it to be contemporaneous yep. with the activities that you're undertaking. Okay, so it also, I mean, um, I don't know, if you think like a public speaking course may help your job or um, some kind of a professional development um, things, like we all, we all have to do the CPE, CPD uh, type of things, so they're not deductible, those kind of general costs? Um, yeah, so that's another really good uh, point, Steve, about it needing to be quite specific. So right. a public speaking course, in some cases, and I can't think of the exact, name of the case uh, but for someone that um, was I think it was a journalist in a newspaper right. uh, he was successful in claiming the cost for public speaking um, because he also did a number of interviews with um, various potential um, subjects in yep. terms of his profession but generally quite general courses like um, self you know, self-development or professional development, public speaking courses, they may in fact be too general to meet um, the connection test right. in Section 8.1. So they might just be too remote to be deductible. But again, it's really driven by the facts and circumstances of every case. So um, a case that comes to mind, for example, is the case of Naglost. Um, and in that case, there was a logistician in the Navy and he was great, granted a deduction for a management course that enhanced his sort of management skills. And because of his particular profession, it was deductible. But in other circumstances, merely sort of doing jobs, uh, merely doing courses like public speaking, which might sort of be broadly good to have, may not be deductible for everyone. So it's no. really about understanding, I guess, what is the nature and scope of your job yep. and how does this particular self-education expenditure relate to that? Yeah, it, um, it sounds, sounds like anyone making such claims, the, the more evidence and backup paperwork they can get behind them, the better. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it really is, you know, really understanding what is the, the type of job that this individual is doing and how is this particular self-education either maintaining or improving your skills in that area? Right. Um, Nicole, I think you might have mentioned to me a little while ago there was a discussion paper put out. Um, yes. What did that touch on? Yeah, so this is, it's a really interesting area, Selfed. So I don't know if you recall, Steve, but there was um, a discussion paper in May 2013, a long time, well, a relatively long time ago, yeah, yeah. Uh, which proposed to, in fact, cap the amount of self-ed expenses to $2,000 per person. Now, that ultimately didn't proceed. Right. But just last year, in 2020, Treasury released a discussion paper, and this sort of links to your point on retraining or reskilling, yep. which looked at expanding self-ed expenses to be deductible without having 
to illustrate that nexus or connection. Ah, good. Okay. So, yeah, so really opening the gates, I guess, or opening up um, the ability to claim uh, self-ed expenses. So right. I considered whether tax deductions would be the most appropriate mechanism of doing that, given yep. sort of all the other support for education and training that exists, how targeted those deductions should be and whether it should limit or exclude things like lifestyle and personal development courses. So your yeah. winemaking courses. Oh, yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and whether it should be limited to tuition fees. So nothing has sort of come to fruition yet from that oh, discussion right. paper, but the, the content there was discussing whether, you know, that very limited nexus test, or I guess I shouldn't say very limited, but that sort of very focused um, right, focus. Test, yep. whether we should be, you know, looking at opening that up. So Open that out a bit. So wh exactly. at what where is it at, at, at now, that discussion paper? What's happening with it? Is it still taking so submissions? submissions have closed on it. Yeah, ah, submissions right. have closed. That's yep. right. Um, so just sort of uh, wait and see, I guess, watch this space along yeah. with 82A. But I think uh, 82A is the one to watch at the moment. Oh, now, um, you, yeah, that's right. That was in the budget you were saying yes, before. there's a proposal to remove that. Right. Yeah. Was it the only thing about self-ed in the last budget? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that, that's a good one. I mean, that's a big one. It, yeah. uh, if it gets more people out there studying, etc. Yes. All right. It's a, it's a, it's a minefield, Nicole. <laughs> um, <laughs> very interesting. And I think um, a lot of people will be, a lot of taxpayers at least, will be looking at self-ed expenses if they can deduct them or not. As I said, especially perhaps pandemic, post-pandemic, we don't know what's going to happen, but uh, it may become more central in people's tax affairs as time goes on. All right, Nicole, that's okay. very, very interesting. Thank you for your time. And um, it's, uh, it's been educational, hunt pun, <laughs> and which I can't, we can't claim this podcast, but, uh, but I'd, I'd, maybe in the future we will be able to, who knows. <laughs> okay, thanks very much. <laughs> thanks, Steve. It was great to chat to you.